Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Many women are opting to have children alone, and there's a, an array of reasons why a woman might choose assisted reproduction um, or to go down this route. And I wanted to chat to people about it today, explore the options, what's involved. Lisa McEntee is with us here on Lunchtime Live because, Lisa, you had your baby through IVF. Tell me a little bit about your story. Yes, no problem at all. Yeah, I had Olin in 2021, August of 2021. I was coming into 2020, I was turning 40. I was still single. I really always wanted a family and was wondering then, you know, what ways I could do it. And I had heard about different women who had done this before. So I started researching it, looking into it, um, and then checking what my own fertility levels were at. at. Um, So I made an appointment with the Sims Clinic in Clancy and um, went to them. And then during the summer of 2020, now COVID put it all back a couple of months. So during the summer of COVID 2020, I started to explore what my fertility levels were. Um, and during that summer, I found out I don't actually 10% chance using my own eggs. So I decided then to go full IVF instead of going IUI. So IUI is artificial insemination, where you inseminate your, the semen as yourself. Mm. Whereas I went down full IVF, so egg retrieval, egg uh, for t- um, fertilization, and then embryo transfer on five days. So I started that then in October, sorry, I'm trying to remember, October of 2020, I started injecting with the IVF injections um, and then done egg retrieval in November and then embryo transfer in November and was successful um, in getting pregnant. Now, I was very lucky in that it worked my first time. Um, and when um, they done egg, re- sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm curious because what I was going to ask you, Lisa, there was when you were given the 10% chance that news, you know, with with your with your mm. own eggs, like, what was your reaction to that? Because I know for a lot of a lot of people, and, and even my myself and my own friends, and and this is it's such a ridiculous, um, it's such a nearly a ridiculous thing to say, but a lot of people nearly don't go through or find out about their fertility levels, often sometimes for the fear of hearing that. Well, I think so. Yeah, I definitely. I think knowing your AMH levels. And that's a simple blood test with your doctor. And it'll give, I know it's not an accurate reading, but it's a slight indication of where your egg, um, your egg reserves are at. So I knew mine was pretty low going in anyway, um, because I had spoke to my doctor that I was going to go down this route. And she explained to me that my my AMH was pretty low. Um, So when I went to it, but I was given, when I spoke to the, the doctors in Sims, they had said about there's a double donation where you can get actually donate an egg. So you would have, you would be implanted with a full embryo, which would be an egg and a semen donation. Um, so I knew that option was there for the mm-hmm. down the line, but I wanted to give my own eggs a chance to to see if I could have, you know, my own, like the full, my DNA, my, my egg. So that's why I opted then for full IVF instead of doing the IUI. I never went to IUI at all. I went, I went straight to the full egg retrieval and fertilization. It was a success. And it was successful, yeah. yeah that's what, when they done egg retrieval, they had five eggs, which is pretty low I, in, in regular terms. I think they normally would retrieve more. And I would have got a phone call the next morning saying that overnight two had been successful in fertilisation. And then on the Monday, then I got a phone call that the two embryos were still there and to come in on Tuesday morning for embryo transfer. And then when I went in on Tuesday, there was only one embryo had survived and I got that implanted and then 
then, you know, in August, then Olin was born. The rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, like, I, I know I'm except, exceptionally lucky in that it worked the first time for me. Okay. How is Olin? He's great. He's yeah. brilliant. He's loving life. He's a great, funny little two-year-old boy. And he's in crash, and he just loves us. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, I, let me let me just hear a little bit about Kerry's story as yeah. well. Um, what's your experience, Kerry? Um, hi, yeah. So um, I was the IUI route. So um, I suppose um, similar enough. Uh, I'm 38 now, so I suppose last year, um, January, um, a new year resolution in 2022. Well, I always wanted children. I've wanted children for a long time. Um, and, you know, I thought I may as well try it. Um, and I was living in Singapore at the time and, and I couldn't um, I couldn't do it in Singapore as a single woman. Uh, you have to be uh, married uh, in a heterosexual couple in Singapore to get uh, any fertility treatment. So um, at that time, I sort of researched how I could do it at home. Um, and uh, my sister-in-law actually had said that a few of her friends do Sims IVF and that was really um you know successful for them so I got in touch with them and you know similar to Lisa there I had to check out my fertility so my AMH levels came back and they were um you know at a good level so um I think it was a doctor um Alejandro I think said you know we would try the IUI um and give it a go and see what would happen um and so last summer um, it's actually um, a year today, <laughs> this day last year, okay. um, I went in to get my um, eggs or, you know, I had done the injections, etc. Um, you know, so you do your own injections for 10 days or so and they check your eggs and to see if they're sort of mature enough um, for to sort of trigger ovulation and then that they would do the insemination. And um, I went in on the Thursday and then the next day they told me to come back the next day and they did the insemination and yeah, I was, you know, similar to Lisa said there, you know, I didn't have to go through the IVF, but I was very fortunate that it worked first time for me. And uh, two weeks later, I got the positive test. And now I have Max and he's three months old and he's a, a little legend. Yeah, brilliant. Just just three mm-hmm. just three months, Carrie. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, three months last week. Just, yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I, pre- I imagine Lisa probably one of the first questions, you know, what 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 is... um. Is it a hard decision to make to do it on your own? Oh, no, it is. You have a lot of things to consider. Um, can you financially afford it? Have you got the support? Like, I'm exceptionally lucky also. I have a brilliant family. I have a brilliant friends, all very supportive from the very beginning. I was actually on holidays with my dad in 2016 in, in Japan, and we sat and had a chat, and he said, would you consider having a baby on your own? Because I'm still single, and he knew I always wanted to start a family. So when I had their support, it was pretty, in the end, Huge it was difference. easy. Because I was 40, I knew my AMH was low. I also had a friend said to me one time, you know, Lisa, waiting to meet somebody, uh, and waiting to have a child, sorry, waiting to meet somebody to have a child could preclude you from having your child. But having a child doesn't preclude you from meeting somebody. True. So that was the way to look at it. Yeah. So. What, what about you, Kerry? Is it a question? Yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, it's, 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 um, it is hard. It's not easy, um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that, um, I think if you really want it, you know, you're going to you're going to go for that. You're going to find a way, um, you know, and I was always going down that line. If if it didn't work, that it would be adoption, you know, because it was definitely something that I wanted. Um, and like Lisa, I'm you know, very fortunate that I have excellent um, friends and family to help me. And, um, you know, I've since moved back from Singapore to Ireland to be closer to family to help out, um, you know, and I think, 
you do need that network. You know, I mm. definitely think if people are thinking about it, you know, you do need, it doesn't have to necessarily be family all the time, but, um, you know, you definitely need to have people around you, especially the first few weeks after the baby's born. It's pretty intense. Um, intense for any mother, like whether they have a partner or not. Um, so you do need that support network as well. Do we have, I know, Kerry, you came back from Singapore and you, you mentioned the, the situation there um, around yeah. assisted around assisted reproduction. But, you know, I was going to ask you about Irish attitudes towards towards having a baby alone. Like, what what is the kind of general consensus here from people? Is that something we talk about an awful lot? Yeah, and I think I think that's, that's one of the reasons I was happy to, you know, to chat about this. And um, I think it's really important to talk about it because it's not something that's the traditional route of having children, but... You know, we face it nowadays, you know, um, women are sort of spending more time in their career, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it is things that are happening later in life for people. And it is hard to meet people. Um, there's no point in pretending it isn't. Mm, yeah. um, and so, you know, it is, it's becoming, it's definitely going to become more um, regular that it happens. Uh, but it's not talked about. And it's, it's, you know, it is a funny thing sometimes when people, lots of people will say to me, oh, you know, who's the father or you know, is there a father involved, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, when you say, oh, no, it's a sperm donor, I think, you know, people do are sort of taken aback. You know, people recover very well. And they're like, oh, very good. Um, but it's not something that, you know, especially older people, they do find it a bit bit untraditional, I suppose, um, and, and a bit odd at times, but it's definitely happening more often. So it's good to talk about it. Do you ever experience or have you ever experienced, um, if you want to call it stigma, Lisa? No, I've been very open from the very beginning of this process. I told everybody, people at work knew I was going through it. All my friends knew I was was going through it. And even now, I'm very open and honest. If people ask me, I stay straight out. I'm a solo mum by choice. I've done this on my own. And um, in general, I don't think I have very negative. An odd time I get a wee snigger or a laugh. Um, More from people who don't understand. You know, um, and, you know, an odd person say, would you not just go out and sleep with somebody? But it's not that simple of a decision. And, you know, if you go out and... What wonderful, somebody, what you, wonderful advice, Lisa. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that is that simple, like, you know. Yeah. But, like, you know, there's so much more decisions behind it. Yeah. Like this, and the thing is that, for me, it's me, I have, I make the decisions for all and going forward. And that's it, you know, and I just explain to people, this is the decision I made, I want to never made. Lucy Boyd is with us as well, um, Lisa and Kerry. Lucy is a nurse manager in the Sims IVF in uh, in the Klonsky Clinic. Um, Lucy, how how common is it now in terms of we'll say the number of women coming through your doors for women to opt to have a baby alone? Yeah, so. Lisa and Kerry, first, it's so lovely to hear both of your stories. Yeah. And congratulations <laughs> to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I think you've both kind of already kind of mentioned it in terms of like women now do have the choice of going um, for treatment alone. But we do see it so commonly. And I've had so many conversations with single women that it's almost sometimes you feel like you're doing something alone. But when you come into a fertility clinic and you speak to us, and we say, oh, no, should we have plenty of women coming through treatment alone? And it kind of just gives them reassurance yeah. that they're not on their own. And there's so many like, different support groups and things out there as well that gives women an opportunity to speak to other solo mums. Um, but, yeah, no, it is. It's more and more common. And I think the more awareness that there is, it's so beneficial for women to kind of look at their own situation. They may not have met someone 
but it's so true what you said, Lisa. I actually loved what you said. Um, that meeting someone might preclude you from having a baby, but having a baby won't preclude you from meeting somebody. Yeah. So sometimes we do just have to put ourselves forward, kind of take that jump, especially for something that you really want as a child. Mm. That's what we're here for. Um, and it is, it's incredible that women, and definitely over the last kind of couple of years, it's way more common than it used to be. And I think years ago, there may have been a little bit more of a stigma around it, but the more we talk about it, it's just mm. more kind of, it's way more, women are open to it. It is true about kind of the, the older generations um, who take, in general, with everything, they take a bit longer to get their heads around things. But with our generation now, everyone's so open yeah. to it in terms of same-sex couples, single, um, solo moms. There's so many different options. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I think it's amazing that there is these options for women. Um, we've heard both Lisa and Kerry's story in terms of the IVF and the IUI route. But if somebody is listening to this today and and thinking, you know, I, I'd maybe just like to explore the options here. Lucy, where do you well, like? What? You can go to your GP firstly. It doesn't have to be straight into a fertility clinic. And um, but the first thing really that you'd want to do is to get some investigations done. And um, kind of as a a routine for us, we would quite commonly do an AMH, which I think both Lisa and Kerry touched on. Mm. Um, which just looks at the ovarian reserve. So it's not necessarily going to tell us anything about the egg quality, but it will give us an indication of the ovarian reserve. And then there is some additional blood tests that we would do, we would do, but we'd also look to do an internal scan or possibly um, a further investigation to kind of have a look at the uterus, the fallopian tubes. Um, it might not necessarily, the person might not necessarily be ready to jump into having treatments themselves with donor mm. sperm, but there is other options in terms of egg freezing and things like that, that if you're not quite ready to go down that road just yet, maybe in two or three years, you might be ready at that stage. And then the, the IVF and the IUI processes that the the two girls went through is there a is like I I know you you may not necessarily um have a choice in in which route mm. you you get to you get to to choose, but is there a difference in timeline of how long either of those take? Timeline is actually quite similar, and okay. um, they both actually follow in terms of treatment. They both do follow quite a similar pattern in terms of generally with IUI and IVF, you'll generally need a couple of injections to try and to stimulate the ovaries. IUI, of course, would be a much lower dose um, because we only want to stimulate one or two eggs or follicles, I should say. Whereas with IVF, we want to stimulate much more. So we, we want to try and hopefully gain as many follicles or eggs that the that the woman themselves can produce which that's going to be dependent on the amh so everyone's going to have it's a very very individual thing there's mm -hmm. no kind of exact actions for both iui and ivf and you normally need about two between two and four scans over the course of those 10 to 12 days and is i don't want to focus on the financial aspect but is pricing a deterrent for people pricing is it it's something that strongly has to be considered. Um, like it, it is expensive. Um, IUI from the outset, it seems to be the cheaper option. Okay. 
every clinic will have different pricing structures and things like that. And all our prices are available on our website. Yeah. I know, and I understand that. And there's various different clinics as well. And, and people yeah. people can, can find that out. But I mean, are, are we talking, we'll say, you know, Lisa or Kerry, from, from your experience, is it like, are we into thousands? What, I just want to, I suppose I just want to get an, an idea of what pricing. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so like say if we look at an IUI, say for example, um, you'll normally have a kind of a couple of investigations that needs to be done. So that's on average between kind of, it can go anywhere from kind of 200 to up to 600, up to 1,000 sometimes, depending on the person's specific um, medical history. Mm. Um, if you take an IUI, which is roughly kind of somewhere between 900 to 1,300, but then you have to take the donor sperm on top of that so we it, well. it could it could take up to three IUIs we would normally say if you're going to go down the IUI road it could take up to three IUIs to actually get pregnant okay and um, so it, it can add up when you're have your you've done the three IUIs with your three donor sperm obviously depending on the person again their individual situation it could actually be a similar price then to doing IVF okay so that would be kind of something that would be discussed. The patient would, would be given kind of a clear and they'd have an open and mm. honest conversation with the doctor as to what the doctor's expectations yeah. are and what their recommendations would be. Because if you're going to, if the doctor feels it could, you could take three or four IUIs, it may be just more beneficial yeah. to be down the IVF road if that is suitable. But then it's not always suitable. Lisa, is that or was that a factor for you? I know you can't put a price on something like this, but, you know, financial means, I'm sure, comes into it. Yeah, no, it does. Like, and it isn't cheap. Now, I my medical insurance would have given me some back. And then you can also claim back of your tax at the end of the year and that wasn't covered by the medical insurance. But yeah, no, it, you, you are talking thousands in total. Um, I, I think off the top of my head, how much mine was in the end, it could have been around the seven or eight thousand. Okay. Um, now, as I said, my medical insurance would have given some back. I would have got some back in tax. So then that does reduce down. But then you don't put a figure on a person, you know, and that's the way I looked yeah. at it. And I knew going into it, I was going to, it was going to cost yeah. me a, a fair bit of money. Um, and that was, it had to be considered in and a factor in it. Um, but, but like that I didn't do IUI so I, I and I made that decision myself it wasn't anybody who suggested it was the, the doctor gave me the option mm. and I decided to go straight to full IVF to give myself the best chance basically Is that Kerry do you think that's mm-hmm. a deterrent for people? Um, I imagine it is you know you know, I was very fortunate that, you know I was working in Singapore so you know like wages and stuff are, you know I'm a teacher so like wages are, are a bit more than they would be here so I was able to, you know, save that money um, for that. But, you know, just listen to Lisa. Like, I think I spent about nearly seven grand, but, you know, I got three sort of straws of sperm. Um, and so it means that I have two left if I were to try for again for a baby. So, you know, the next time it wouldn't be as expensive. Um, but, you know, I think, unfortunately, it is. It, it will be probably a deterrent for some people. Mm. No, you know? I just think it's um, worth, it is, I can imagine for people listening to this today and if it's something that's, you know, a, a route you're thinking of starting, it's it's worth, I suppose, just mentioning that, you know, mm. in, in, in the course of the conversation as well. Lisa, for anybody in this position or maybe thinking about it, like what's your advice to somebody who's thinking of doing it alone? Yeah, I definitely think the AMH check, to see where you're at and see where your options are and go from there. 
And I think anybody who's waiting to make it, don't wait because you just don't know. Your fertility might be like me. If I had to wait another year or two, I might have never had it had holding. You know, so I think just go for it if you if you if that's what you want. What would you advise people, Kerry? Uh, yeah, the same. I think you know, don't don't put it off and, and sort of don't wait for somebody to come along to a partner or whatever. Um, I think if you, if it's something that you want, definitely go for it. But I also think um, do be open and do chat to people and have that support network around you. Even just going for the treatment, etc. Um, and hoping that it's successful, you'll need them around as you go through your pregnancy and, and you know, when the baby's here, etc. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have that support network um, yeah. and chat about it, chat about everything. Um, you know, it's good. It's good to talk to everybody about it. Um, and as Lisa said, to be open from the start is really important. And for people, Lucy, maybe thinking of, you know, picking up the phone to yourself or any other clinic or doctor out there today, what would you say to them? Yeah, so it, to be honest, I... I think Lisa and Kerry have both kind of nailed on the head. I think the first the first thing for anyone to do really is just to get a bit of knowledge um, about themselves in terms of check your AMH and then take it from there. Have a conversation with the doctor, discuss your options and then think about it. It's, it's, just, just so kind of for your own protection really and your own future. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you all today and I, I really appreciate your time and, and thanks as well, Lisa and Kerry, for, for sharing your stories with us. Um, Lisa, Kerry and Lucy Boyd from Sims, thanks a million uh, for your time Thank on the you. show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye-bye. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.